الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات ربه وسلامه عليه وعلى اله واصحابه ومن دعا بدعوته الى يوم الدين اما بعد بلاد برادرز اند سيستر ان الاسلام السلام عليكم ورحمه الله تعالى وبركاته الله سبحانه وتعالى speaks to us in the holy quran surah al-luqman which is the 31st surah of the holy quran allah subhanahu says ولقد اتينا لقمان الحكمه ان اشكر لله وما يشكر فانما يشكر لنفسه ومن كفر فان الله غني حميد صدق الله العظيم الله سبحانه وتعالى says that he had given luqman wisdom so the, the best gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bestow on any person is to give him wisdom and we will see the kind of wisdom which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had bestowed on Nabi Luqman alayhi salatu wassalam so the whole lecture today inshallah will be about the advice of Luqman to his son but before i go there i just want to make a comment Uh, which i haven't done for a long time on developments in the middle east maybe 3 or 4 minutes of your time of course you all see the news and you all read the news and you all see what's happening in yemen particularly now yemen is now under the spotlight and as galloway says one of the british parliamentarians he says the most amazing thing is and before i go to comment on that i want to say that the um, saudis in the audience we recognize the good work that the government of saudi arabia is doing by rebuilding the haramain and all the other good things they do as a as a government and as a kingdom and as a nation but what is happening in yemen is something very strange i never knew for example that Saudi Arabia had such a big air force. I never knew that they had airplanes and pilots and they could actually fly away from Saudi Arabia and bomb another country. I mean this is this was this was quite new to me because we had Gaza being bombed to smithereens by the Israelis and Saudi Arabia didn't send not even a bullet to protect the Gazans. Now we hear that they've got airplanes and they've got a na- they've got a, an air force and they they bombing left right and center in in Sana'a in Adan in all the places in Yemen and they killed so many civilians but when it came to protecting because this is the strange part of it the reason that Saudi Arabia one of the reasons they bombing the Houthis is because the Houthis are a Shia and they see the bigger conflagration in the middle east as a, a war between the shia and the sunni as as one of the one of the side issues in in iraq it is between the sunnis and the shia in syria it is sunni and shia also now in yemen this ugly thing has raised its head between shia and sunni but here we have gaza which was a completely sunni country i mean if the idea is to protect the so called sunnis uh, against the onslaught of the shia then i would have expected that saudi arabia would have come to the, the aid of at least the palestinians but it's said that we live in a world where even countries like saudi arabia one of the richest countries in the world if not the richest country in the world has to bow down to the west has to be a lackey to the west has to do and listen what the west tells us to do And this is very sad it's a very sad day i think in the history of islam that we can't help our own people but when it comes to bombing others and i mean there's a hand behind all this i mean the hand is that we need to dis- to destroy the not only the the muslims themselves as people but we have to destroy the confidence that muslim has in themselves and we have to do it ourselves i mean saudi arabia is a muslim country yemen is a muslim country they are brotherly countries they are the closest in terms of deen 
in terms of history, in terms of everything. In fact, the Arabic language was a Yamani language. Arabic comes from Yemen. Arabic was brought to Makkah by the Yemenis. So the Yemenis were the first people to have spoken the language of Muhammad Today we find the opposite. The least I think Saudi Arabia could have done was to stay out of the conflagration. Because this thing is now going to get out of hand and we've seen it. I mean, haven't they seen what's happening in Syria? What's happening with ISIL? The moment foreign powers step into any void, it causes complete havoc and the people who suffer are the people on the ground, the civilians in Yemen. And Yemen already is such a poor country, subhanAllah. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. It was one of the poorest countries in the world. That was without the war. It is now even a poorer country for what is happening now. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide our brothers in Saudi Arabia and to make them shoot their bombs and use the airplanes not against Muslims but against the enemies of Islam, namely their neighbors, uh, our, our friends and our brothers, the Palestinians who are suffering to such a large, vast extent in that part of the world. But today inshallah, I want to speak to you not about that, I want to speak to you about Fathers and mothers and children. I thought it would be a good day today to speak about fathers and mothers and children. This is a very, very important subject. It's an important subject because today we are confronted by different challenges as parents. We are confronted by different challenges as children. We are confronted internationally by different challenges locally in terms of a community. We're all challenged. I think sometimes we can't explain and we need to go back to our original reference, which is the Qur'an of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's important that we go back to that which has come straight from He who created us and created the world. And if we look at Surah Al-Luqman, if we look at the history of Nabi Luqman, he was, a, he was an Abyssinian, he was an African. He was born in Abyssinia. He traveled from Abyssinia, he was a slave, he was born into slavery. And he was given freedom by his master and he traveled from Abyssinia, he traveled to the Middle East. And he traveled to Palestine. And there he, his hikmah was noticed by none other than Nabi Dawood He lived in the time of David and Goliath, he lived in the time of Nabi Dawood And Nabi Dawood saw in him this black slave from Abyssinia the qualities which Allah subhanahu wa had, had put into him. And the main quality which Allah had bestowed him was the quality of hikmah. He had wisdom. And his wisdom was of such a great benefit to Nabi Dawood that Nabi Dawood first made him a judge and then made him chief justice of the Muslim empire at the time. Now you know what Nabi Dawood was? The father of Nabi, Nabi Nuh. I hear noises, but I, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, are you calling my name? Do you want water? I mean, what? You know. <laughs> Somebody can just say something that I can hear. Ah, mashallah. Sounds better. Imagine I should speak. You'll all complain that, you know, the Sheikh Marcus said, Mount Upne. So, Nabi Dawood was the father of this great Sulaiman, Ali Sallallahu and this father of Sulaiman appointed Nabi Luqman as his great Qadi, Qadi al Qudat, Chief Justice. So one would think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would at least refer somehow to these qualities of Nabi Luqman But nowhere in the Quran are any of these things mentioned. Nowhere in the Quran is mentioned that he that he was with Nabi Dawood, that he became the chief justice, that he was the... Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as I said last week, and I referred to this surah, surah Luqman, remember I referred to five surahs last week, I said go home and look at the themes of these five surahs. I said surah 29, which is surah Al... Nobody was here last week, okay. An-Kabut, surah An-Kabut, and then came surah... Thirty Surah to Rum, sacred, and then came Surah thirty-one, which is the Surah, which is Surah Luqman, and the last one was Sajida, Surah Sajida. These are the five Surahs, Mashallah. 
And I said last week, today inshallah we will concentrate a little bit on the Surah Al-Luqman. What does Allah Taala concentrate? What does Allah tell us about Luqman? How did He use His wisdom? Where did, what part of His wisdom did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consider to be his, the best part of His wisdom? What was the best part of His wisdom? Was it that He was chief justice of, of the Muslim empire? No. What was the wisdom that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about in the Qur'an? From verse 13 onwards. From verse 13 to verse 19. You should go and read this. I'm sure you've read it already. But inshallah, as part of your homework for today, for the Easter weekend. I was going to say, don't go at some place, rather read the Qur'an, but you know, uh, that's another story. So, Nabi Luqman, Allah SWT tells us about the wisdom of Luqman and how he applied his wisdom. And where did he apply his wisdom? What does Allah talk about? Allah talks about not only what he said to his son. Allah, Allah teaches us not only what he said, the content of what he told his son. The content of the advice he gave his son. But Allah SWT also gives us a lesson in how to speak to our children. And of course how our children should speak to us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us how a child listens to a parent. There's a manner of listening. Children listen to parents in a particular way. You know this. You know that sometimes that you speak to your child and he's in another place and you are in another place. And sometimes you speak to him about the new car that you're going to buy him and you're in the same place. Or the chocolate that you're going to buy, or the fact that you're going to take him to some place where he can enjoy himself, where you're on the same page. But you talk to him about, what did you do in Madrasa? Excuse me, what did daddy say? Or what did you do in school today? Oh, I must first think, I, you know, I'm busy now. It's, you know. so, so, Allah SWT also teaches us how children listen to us. And Allah SWT teaches us how to speak to them, when to speak to them, and the manner of speaking to them. And when we look at the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks through Nabi Luqman to his children, we find that Luqman spoke to his son, Ka'abun Sadiq, like a friend father. Like a father who was a friend. Now I know there was a time when this was taboo. You don't make a friend out of your children. Because children are supposed to be there and you're supposed to be there. That was in my days when I was a child. Today, no more. Different strokes. But see now, that you know. That's not even a hadith, but that you know. Different times require different modes of operation, different ways of doing things. And today the time has come when we have to make friends of our children. We have to make, we can't say, well, I'm your father, so I'm not going to sit and talk to you. Go and talk to your friends, like my father said to me. Because speak to your friends, don't come and speak to me. No, those days are gone. Because those days our parents knew who our friends were. And our parents were quite happy with the friends we have. Today our children have very few friends. And if they do have friends, we have to be very careful as to who they associate with. So normally the father that we know, the fathers today are the following. He gets married, he has children. He sits down with his wife, what does he say to his wife? I bring the money, you bring them up. Division of labor. You, I go to work, I leave the children in your hands. You must do what you want. You must do what you should do as a mother. Of course we know that it doesn't work, it doesn't work today. It doesn't work like that. Today, both parents had to be part of the rearing and raising of children. Like in the past, I said, it takes a village to raise a child. Today, it takes both parents to raise a child. And we'll come to that later, inshallah. So we know that normally then, a father is used for what purpose? Two things a father is used for. It's almost like a tool. It's a money-making tool, and it's a disciplinary tool. I used to go. 
I'm going to tell your father what you did. And your father's going to give you hiding. Your father comes home and he tells us what next mukhman. You know what he Because it is not a 24-7 job. The father doesn't see it like that. And it should be like that. Half the problems that we deal with as social workers and, and counselors and imams and maulanas and sheikhs is the absence of parenthood within a home. That all the problems that I deal with can be traced back to the... I'm not saying they're not there. The father is there and the mother is there, but they're absent. In terms of raising the child, they are absent. And they're absent in the sense that they're not friends to their children. What do we tell our children? I work so hard for you to go to this particular school. I pay 3,000 rand a month. You're only six years old. Well, imagine now if you get to this age. I have to drive you to school. I look what you do. I told you not to do that. The children doesn't want that. The child doesn't want to be told that you pay for his education. That's your responsibility as a parent. He wants you to be present when he needs you, when he wants to chat to you. He doesn't want to become a microwave child when he comes home. The food is in the microwave. The key is under the mat. Mother's gone, father's gone, they're both working. That isn't what, this, this isn't what the child wants. So, Luqman was Abun Sadiq. He was a friend to his child. And Allah tells, opens up. When Allah talks, in verse 13 of Surah Luqman, Allah talks, Allah says, وَهُوَ يَعِذُ وَإِذْ قَالُ لُقْمَانُ لِأَبِي When Luqman said to his son, وَهُوَ يَعِذُهُ when Luqman said to his son, when he was giving advice to his son. And what is the next verse? What is the next? What is the words, the opening words of Nabi Luqman to his son? He says, Ya Bunay. Ya Bunay. How does he address his son? My beloved son. Bunay is, you can hear the word Bunay. It's a very soft sounding word in Arabic. Bunay. Bunay. My beloved son. And this is the way that Allah tells us to address our children. That you call them by their name. Hey, come here. Hey, don't do that. I know sometimes when you're 70 years old, you forget your children's names. But really now, if you're still young, you shouldn't forget their names. You should call them by their names. I know, I've got so many grandchildren, I forget their names. And I say, hey, come here. But that, I'm allowed that as a grandfather. But you as a dad should call your children by and call them by their full names. Always call your children. Why? Because your children's friends will call them by the name that you call them by. And your child will tell his mates at school, my mother and father call me by my name Muhammad. Not Mo. Doesn't, that, that, that word is not used. So you, my friend, you must call me Muhammad. My father calls me Muhammad. My mother calls me Muhammad. My brothers and sisters call me Muhammad. So my name is Muhammad. Very important. So Allah says to Luqman, when you, when you refer to your son, when you call him, call him Ya Bunay. And if this is the kind of relationship that the father and the son has, then it's almost automatic that you as a father, your daughters as well, if there's a problem, you will look at them and you know what the problem is. You don't even have sorry, to ask sometimes. You just look at it and you know no, something not right here. Or you look at your daughter, you don't have to ask, or wait till the thing explodes. You already pick it up, right? In the beginning, because you have a, you have a relationship with them. If you look at the relationship, for example, of the Prophet ﷺ with his daughter Fatima. His daughter Fatima was 18 years old. And she lived in Medina. She was married to Ali. And every time the Prophet used to leave Medina, the first thing he used to do was, or the last thing he did was to go to Fatima's house and kiss her on the forehead. And he, then he left. And when he comes back from wherever he came to Medina, he would first go to her house and greet her and kiss her on the forehead and he would go home again. And so, the Prophet ﷺ had a very special relationship with his daughter Fatima. There are many other instances that you can read. 
But the instance that I can think about immediately is when the Prophet died, just before he died. Just before he died, what did he do? To show his love for his daughter. Special love. Fathers and mothers have special love for their children. What did he say? He called her and he whispered in her ear. And she cried. And he called her again and he whispered in her ear. And she laughed. And Aisha, his wife, came to father and said, what, what happened? Your father whispered in your ear. A little bit of jealousy, of course. Your father whispered in your ear. I mean, all of us here, why couldn't you tell all of us? Then you cried and she didn't, want to, she didn't want to tell him. But after he had passed away, she said to Aisha, the first time my father whispered in my ear, he said, tonight I'm going to pass away. And I cried. And the second time he spoke in my ear, he said to me, and oh Fatima, you will be the first one of my family who will be with me in the Akhirah after I die. In other words, you will be the first one to die after me. Now the Prophet could have said this to the whole room of people, if there was a room of people, and there were a lot of people there before he died. But he said this to her in her ear, why? To show the special love and relationship he had with her. When last did you whisper in your wife's ear? Seriously now. But what does your wife say? When you scream at me, you're shouting at me. But do you remember all the times when you whispered in your ear? So similarly, if you want to have a special relationship with somebody, your children particularly we're talking about here is, and with your friend. And you see girls doing this often. Girls, when they are friends with each other, they would do this purposefully. They would whisper in each other's ears so the other friends can't hear. To make the other friends jealous. Because they have a special relationship with that kind of person. Now this is the kind of relationship that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Ibrahim and Abi Ismail for example. When Allah subhanahu wa said to Ibrahim, you should uh, make qurban of your son Ismail. So what did he say? What did Ibrahim say? Did he go to his son and said, Hey, I've got a job. I've got to do a job. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do a job. I can't tell you what it is, but you know, come with me. And he kicked the sword in his hand or his knife and he said to his son, small little boy. You know, he said to him, what do you think? He said to that boy, little boy, he said, what do you think? Allah asked me that I should slaughter you, make qurban. What do you think? And he said, if al-matu'mar. He said, do what Allah commands you to do, you have to do. He consulted his son. And when he wanted to build the Kaaba, he consulted him. He said, Allah told me I must build the Kaaba. Will you help me? Will you carry the stones for me? He said, yes, dad, no problem. Carry it for you. He didn't say, like we said, Allah said to him, so bind not. You know, you must. No. What do we do? We make salah in front of the child without telling the child anything. He sees you make salah. He gets up in the morning to go to the toilet and he says, Guys, my father's making salah in the front room. SubhanAllah. Oh, he's making fajr and my mother. Hmm? That is better than a thousand shouting and screaming, make salah, make salah, make salah. Hmm? And that's our parents. I mean, our parents, when it came to salah, they just made salah. We, we used to go with them to the masjid, they used to make salah at home. And that's how we learned. And that is the methodology that Allah subhanahu teaches. Nabi Luqman alayhi as-salatu wassalam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from verse 13 to verse 19 prioritizes how we should raise our children. How should you raise? What is the kind of advice that we start with and what is the kind of advice that we end with? And of course this takes over this kind of advice in raising a child goes over a period of time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first says, you should teach your child to love Allah. That's the first thing you must inculcate in your child. That the love for Allah subhanahu is supreme, we know that. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is over and above everything that this world has. So the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches Nabi Luqman to teach his son is, La tushrik billah. What is the first lesson Allah gives to his son? Do not make shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why not? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the reason also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, La tushrik billah, inna shirka la zulmun azim. 
Short explanation. Allah says, don't make shirk with Allah. Now, this word shirk is used more than used in the Quran more than 200 times. More than 200 times Allah used the word shirk. And of course there are many scholars today so-called especially those who flood our borders from all over the world that say that we shouldn't use the word shirk for Muslims. There's no connection. All the shirk that Allah speaks about in the Quran is for the other people, not for Muslims. So whenever Allah talks about shirk in the Quran, it doesn't refer to Muslims. Was Nabi Luqman son of Mushrik? Nabi Luqman son was a Subhanallah, he was the son of a Nabi, he was a Muslim, he was a mu'min. Yet Allah subhanahu the first warning Allah gives to his most believing son was to tell him, La tushrik billah. Now why, why, why is this, why is this the biggest danger that faces any person? Because Allah subhanahu says, Inna shirka la dhulmun azim, because shirk is what? Shirk is darkness upon darkness upon darkness. Why does Allah describe it like that? Because those of you who have experience of people who come at shirk, the first thing they will tell you, will say, someone will come to me and say, you know, this person does this kind of thing and he does that kind of thing. And then he will say to me, I speak to the person, but the person doesn't hear me. So but that, is, that is what Allah tells us in the Quran. Shirk is darkness. Total darkness. There's no light coming from anywhere. You can't show that person anything or teach him anything or say anything to him. When he steeped in shirk, he will not listen to your advice. And that's why Allah says to Nabi, Nabi Luqman, first, and you know shirk comes, Nabi Sallallahu said, like an ant on a big rock in the middle of the night, in the darkness of the night. That's how it comes. Crawls very slowly, 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 slowly. Until it's there with you, and then astaghfirullah, may Allah subhanahu wa protect us from, from shirk. So the first is the theory. Allah says, Nabi Luqman, please tell your child that this is the greatest danger in his life. Then Allah subhanahu wa in the last verse, Allah skips a few verses, and Allah subhanahu wa gives the practical example of how great Allah is. Because what is shirk? Shirk is when you believe that other things as powers like Allah or besides Allah. Allah can't do certain things. Other, other gene or human beings or whatever can also do things. That is shirk. So somebody comes to you and you see, and he says, you know, my sheikh and my peer and my this and my that, and my can do this and my can do that and has done this and comes from that country and wears this and that, you know, so forth and so on. That is shirk. So what is Allah Subhanahu Surah 16? Allah Subhanahu says, tell your son. Ya Bunay, oh my son, oh my beloved son. Innaha intakum ithqala habbatin min khardalin fatakun fi sakhratin aw fi samawati aw fi al-ard. Ya'ti biha Allah. Inna allaha Latifun khabir. He says, and you tell your son that shirk is the biggest dalal. And then you tell him about great, how great Allah is. So no matter how great a person comes to you and how great he is, remember this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How does Allah describe his greatness? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, tell your son. If there is an atom inside a rock, Fatakun fi sakhra inside a rock. Allah says, tell your son, if there's an atom, which you can't even see with your naked eye, inside a rock. And Allah subhanahu wants to bring out that atom from inside the rock. Or that atom is in the heavens, or buried in the earth. Only Allah subhanahu can bring it out to you. That's the power that Allah subhanahu has. 
So no matter what power a human being presents to you, it cannot equal the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And today there are so many Muslims caught up in the power of man. Say, oh, Daiman can, Daiman can say, oh, yeah, subhanallah. I can spring from Dago Bechaba, flee, he will reward. Or he did this, or he's from the grandfather of so and so, or the father of so and so, or the son of so and so, or the brother of so and so. So he's got some special powers. La hawla wa la La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There is no might and no power except in who? In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everybody's power, your mind, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Nabi Nuh, Nabi Adam, anybody else, Jibreel, whoever it may be. Get the power from which power? From the power of la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So that is the message, a practical message which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gives, or rather Nabi Lut gives, uh, Nabi Luqman gives to his son. That is number one. Love for Allah, and that Allah is all-powerful over everything. Inshallah, that's how we should die. That's how we should meet Allah the day of Qiyamah. When I stand in front of Allah, I should say, Ya Allah, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. I believe only you have power. Nobody else has power. Everybody else has derived power from your power which you grant. Second is kindness to parents. And how beautiful is this verse? Luqman is the father, he's speaking to his son. He's talking to his son about obedience to parents. What does he say? He says, وَوَصَيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانًا بِوَالِدَيْهِ حَمَلَاتُ أُمُّهُ وَهْدًا عَلَى وَهْدًا He says to his son, he doesn't, tell, he doesn't tell his son, be obedient to me, or love me. No, he says to his son, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you to be good and kind to your parents, your mother has borne you in pain. Your mother's given birth to you in pain. Your mother has fed you from a breast for a maximum of two years. Honor your mother, he says, father says, honor your mother. The father enjoins on the child to honor his mother. So parents, please, And this is something which always hurts me. When there's a problem between the mother and the father, then what does the mother come to tell me? I told my son what he did. I told my son what his father did. Or well, the mother comes and, yeah, but I told my children, I called them and I said, your father did X, Y, and Z. You know? And when I speak, I always speak to father, mother, and children. Before I only used to talk to the couple that come to me, speak to the mother, speak to the father. No, 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 no. I want to see the children. And one of the things I discovered is that when you tell your child about your wife, about their mother, anything bad, do you know it is like a it's like you're stabbing them. They won't tell you, and vice versa. If you the mother tell your children about the, how bad their father is, you must remember it's still their father. Remember, it remains their mother and their father. It's the worst thing a parent can do to a child. Is to smear the other parent in, put the other parent in the bed. You may as well throw the child out by the house, or beat the child, or swear the child. But don't do that to your children. Because your child loves both his parents equally, no matter what happens between the two of you. So, I always tell the parents, please, no matter what happens, keep the conversation when it comes to your husband at a level of dignity and respect for the other parent. And of course, then the worst thing comes along. Then the worst thing comes along. And the worst thing that comes along is that some mothers even prevent the father from seeing his own children. I know there's anger in all of us. I know people can do things which can really make you angry. But as I always tell people, especially when they have small children, problems you'll have. They will be divorced. There'll be all kinds of things in a family and amongst people. 
But I always say to the couples, you know, if you have children, your relationship will never come to an end. A day will come when both of you will be standing in the same hall and your daughter will want both of you to be there when she gets married. That's the day when everything's forgotten. Your son and daughter wants, if his mother is alive and his father is alive, both of them must be there. And they would like to see both of them stand one side on this side and one side on this side. So when you have a problem, always think about it. What, 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 what is going to be 10, 15, 20 years ahead? Always think like that. And always think about your children, that they're not the problem. They didn't bring about the problem. Why should they suffer their whole lives because of your problem? That's not fair. So the first thing Luqman said to his son was, your mother. And this is a big lesson. A big lesson to us is that mothers must inflate the status of the father. And father must inflate the status of them. That's how our parents were with us. No matter what my father did, my mother always said, your father is the best man in the world. And my father always used to say, your mother is the best woman in the world. And that's how they died. But they used to fight like cat and dog. But that was it. That was, when it came to children, that is how we dealt with children. And why is it that Nabi Luqman made such a fuss about the mother? Because really, Allah says the mother has to bear the child. And you know, you, you, you hear about this, you see this, you listen to it, and you see how mothers suffered to bring a child into the world. She had six, seven miscarriages. So now she, the doctor says she must put her feet up for six months to keep the baby inside to stitch the womb closed, whatever they do. And now she gives birth to this child, after seven miscarriages, subhanAllah. How happy is such a mother, tell me. How happy is such a father, subhanAllah, to have brought that child into the world, subhanAllah. Look at that link between mother and father. Now the mother will have low calcium when she's, when she's pregnant, she will need red blood cells when she's pregnant, she will need so many things when she's pregnant. She has to go through all that, for what? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put the love of motherhood in her heart. And so we speak a little bit about parents. The Nabi sallallahu said in the hadith, Ihfad waddi abik. Now the Nabi sallallahu talks about the father. The father, Nabi sallallahu said, protect the affection you have for your father. Look after the, protect, not the relationship you have with your father, the affection you have for your father. So children must love their father. They must have a, an affection for... Of course the father must also have affection for the children. It's a two-way street. But here the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi about, look after the affection you have for your father. لا تقتعوا فيطفي الله نورك What did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi say? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, look after the love and affection you have for your dad. Oh young daughters and young sons and don't cut the affection no matter what your father does don't cut the affection why not because if you cut the affection you have for your father Allah will remove the nur from you on the dunya because your father is your nur you carry his name his lineage, his blood, his genes, that's you, that's him, that's the relationship you have with him. He's your light, he's your nur. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Nabi Sallallahu said, the person who dislikes, in his look to his parents, when he looks at his parents, he looks at his parents with a look of dislike. 
Nabi Sallallahu said, I will be free. Nabi said, I will not be there for him on the day of Qiyamah. Have you seen how some children look at their parents? The child is going out of the door, the young lady is going out of the door, and the mother says, where is your scarf? And she looks at her mother straight in the eye, without a smile, and she walks out by the front door. Oh, the father says to his son, where are you going? He says, I'm coming now. But the look that he gives, Nabi Sallallahu said, Man ahaddan dhazra. Gives that look. And the Nabi Sallallahu says, So, Nabi Sallallahu said, Ma barra aban, Man saddada ilayhi nazr. Nabi Sallallahu said, Ma barra aban, Man saddada ilayhi nazr. Nabi Sallallahu said, You do not show respect to your father if you look at him, you know, some children look straight in the eye. You know, some person, you, you shout at your child, and what does he do? He doesn't look down, he looks up, he, 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 he tilts his head, and he looks you straight in the eye. In other words, say now what you will say. Do what you want to do. Nabi Sallallahu says, That is not being, as Allah subhanahu says, That is not being kind to your parents. And we know the example of the Sahabi who couldn't die. The Sahabi, Sahabi, companion of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he couldn't die, couldn't say, La ilaha illallah. His mouth was open, and the devil was there by his throat, and he couldn't die. He couldn't say, La ilaha illallah, and he couldn't die. So Sahaba came and said, Ya Rasulullah, so and so, he can't say, Shahada, he can't die. He's in between death and life. So the first thing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him, has he got a mother? And they said, yes, he's got a mother. Prophet said, bring the mother. Prophet said, this is your son? She said, yes. See, he can't read his kalima. There's something, something about you, isn't it? She said, yes, Ya Rasulullah. Prophet said, what is it? She said, whenever he used to feed his family and he used to feed me, I get the second-hand stuff. And his wife and children get the first grade stuff. The child goes to pick and pay to checkers. He buys things for his family and his mother. So he goes home with a packet. First takes out the good stuff for his wife and his children. And he says, well, this is okay. I'm a different mama. I'm a right. mango. Stay on mango khat fasay fro, and he pop mango khat fasay. He couldn't read his kalima. Nabi Sallallahu said, what are you going to do? If you're not going to forgive him, I'll have to burn him. To burn him. Subhanallah. It's the only salvation for him on the dunya. So, immediately she shouted, no, 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 no. Please forgive him, I forgive him, I forgive him. And when she said, I forgive him, he shouted, La ilaha illallah, he died. So important, and we know Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said that your parents are your Jannah or your Nar, your parents are your Heaven or your Hell. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Nabi Sallallahu says, Salatatun, three people Allah, three people Allah won't look at them, Allah won't speak to them, Allah will not purify them. And the first of those is Al-Aqul Walidayn Person who is disobedient to his parents Nabi Sallallahu said And the last person Who will stand in the queue Now you know Qiyamah will be one day And one day the Nabi Sallallahu said Will be equal to a thousand years of the dunya Nabi Sallallahu said The person who is disobedient to their parents Will stand at the end of the queue You'll have to wait a thousand years Before he's even going to be asked the question where he's going to go before Allah's going to look at and Allah's not going to look at him Allah's going to turn away from him subhanallah so no matter how much we pray and fast and give this and do that priority number one is parents وَحْفِظْ لَهُمَا تَنَاحَ مِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ Allah subhanahu says and spread your wings of mercy and spread your wings of shade over your two parents. وَصَاحِبَهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا 
and live with them on the dunya as your friends. That's what the Nabi Sallallahu said. When Zahabi asked, who should be my friend? Ya Rasulullah, Prophet said, your mother. And again, he said, and next? Prophet said, your mother. And he said, okay, fine, I know my mother. Who next? Prophet said, and again your mother. And then he said, and who next? And then he said, then your father. Sahib. Sahib means friend. It should be your friend. Today, subhanallah. Mothers don't see their children. For weeks. For months. Sometimes children don't even pick up the phone to phone their parents. I know this. So the first thing that Luqman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches Luqman is Allah. To love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second, kindness to your parents. Third, salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya bunaya aqimus salah. Establish prayer. So third thing is pray. What does Allah subhanahu wa say? I feed your children, you don't feed them. I give them rizq, you don't give them rizq. Your job is to command them to pray. Number four, Allah subhanahu wa says, Nabi Luqman said to his child, My child, Have a qasid in the way you walk in the soul. Have a goal in your life. Not just walk on the earth. No. Allah subhanahu wa says, Have a qasd. Have a niyyah. Have a goal in life. Teach your children to have goals. Not goal. Goals with the S. So now your child is a, is a whatever he is. No, doesn't, life doesn't stop there. That's only the beginning. Your first degree is only the beginning. Your second degree is only the beginning. Education never. Don't teach your children to become something and then stop. No, it must be ongoing. And number four, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Nabi Luqman to tell his son to be positive. To be positive. Have a positive attitude. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Be patient in what happens to you. Be patient in what happens to you. Teach your children patience. That's why it's important to let your children work in the holidays. Or have a Saturday job. Children must know what it is to sacrifice to earn something. Say, so man, five rand for the day. That's not important. He must know that money comes through hard work. Any work, any job. Packer, even if he's got a... Even if he's doing 50 minutes and if you send him to pick and pay, they go and pack shelves. So he knows what it is to earn money. Don't just give it to them. Let them earn it. Outside the house. And number five, Allah subhanahu wa teaches Nabi Luqman to tell his child about humility. Character. Manir lakait. Teach your child, Ya Bunay, la tusair khaddaka linnas. Don't turn your cheek to people. You know the camel. You know how a camel does. When the camel wants to look at you, he does that. Have you seen a camel do that? Allah says, "Don't do that to human beings. Don't lift your head and turn your cheek to people. No. If people speak to you, you teach your child to look a person in his face. Nabi Sallam, whenever he used to speak to people, you know how we are. Somebody comes on the side, so you talk to a person like this. No, Nabi Sallam used to turn like this to the person and speak to the person." And somebody stands here and he stands. And somebody speaks here and he turns and he speaks to the person. That was the habit of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And finally, Allah subhanahu teaches Nabi Luqman to tell his child how to walk and how to talk. Allah subhanahu says, وَهْدُودُ مِنْ سَوْتِكَ وَهْدُودُ Allah subhanahu says, وَقْسِدُ فِي مَشِكْ Walk. Don't walk on the earth. Marahan. La tamchi fil abdi maraha. Don't walk like this on the earth, water. water. Don't want to walk like this on the earth. You're not going to Many people think that they're humble when they walk like this. No, no, you're going to get a bad back. Like I have. You should walk straight up. But walk humbly on the earth. And when you speak, wa bin sauti. Always teach your children to lower their voices. 
except when they become, when they become an imam or a maulana or a sheikh, you must tell them to shout. Otherwise, they must, they must have a, a good voice. Why must you speak in a low voice? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That the worst sound is the sound of a donkey. Allah subhanahu wa likens shouting to the sound of a donkey. And of course, that is not part of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to teach us. So, what do we learn? We learn that we should address our children, even if you give them a pet name. Nabi Sallallahu also gave, gave pet names. Abdurrahman became Abu Huraira, father of the small kitten. You can always give them give your wife also a pet name. Don't pet her, give her a pet name, I said. Alright. And use affectionate language with your children. Hug your children. Nabi Sallallahu once met a man while the Nabi was playing with Hassan and Hussain, he was playing with them, was hugging them and kissing them, biting their ears and whatever a, a, a grandfather does. And this man came along and he said, what, what are you doing? You are Rasulullah, you are a messenger of Allah. Are you you're playing with your grandchildren and kissing them. What is this? <coughs> Nabi Sallallahu said, Man la yarham, la yurham. Nabi Sallallahu said to him, he who doesn't show mercy will not receive mercy. That your love that you show for your children and your wife is your mercy that you're extending to them. And when you extend mercy to your family, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be merciful to you on the day of Qiyam. And you know the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa subhanallah, he had a nice way of doing things. He had a very good way. When he wanted to teach somebody something, he used to do it in a particular fashion. You know, sometimes we see, we want to teach somebody something and we, we don't know how to tell the person, you know, this is the way you should do it. You know? I have that problem sometimes. I see people doing something and I think, you shouldn't, shouldn't do that, you know, but how do I tell him he's a big man or, you know, how do I tell him, sir, you know, you should do it like this or you should do it like that. And what did the Nabi Sallallahu do? Mu'ad ibn Jabal is a good example. Mu'ad ibn Jabal, Nabi Sallallahu wanted to teach him something. So you can see even the Sahaba and the Nabi Sallallahu there was a, there was, Nabi Sallallahu didn't just teach them like, you know, he was the Prophet, he could have said, look, I'm teaching you this now, you know, take it and use it. People take a front even, I mean, we learn here that even that time, people say, we generally made a good, you know, who are you to tell Like there's somebody, um, some time ago I used to see somebody in the masjid for Fajr Salah. So Fajr Salah, I mean, the dad goes for Fajr Salah and then we make two rakah sunnah. So there are some people, because we wait 10 minutes, I see some people make two rakahs, they make another two rakahs, they make another two rakahs. So I tell this person, you know, I know you're a Hanafi, but you know, even by Abu Hanifa, there's only two rakahs before Fajr. Normally the Hanafis make four, but for what? Because the Nabi only made two rakahs before first. Now how am I going to tell this person? He's going to say, but Sheikh, it's Salah, you know. Allah's not going to punish me to make Salah. That's, that's what the answer people give you. You say, but why are you making 700 of that? The Prophet only made three. And the Messiah will say, but you know, what is Dikrullah is good. What is the answer to that? The answer to that is, that what you do which is not part of the sunnah, Allah is going to punish you. If you create your own sunnah, Allah is going to punish you for that punishment. So even if it's salah or dhikr, whatever you do, but you're going beyond the sunnah, you're going beyond the example when Muhammad Sallallahu has brought to you, Allah is going to punish you. Allah is going to punish you. Muhammad Sallallahu didn't teach you, why did you do that? Two rakahs he made before Fajr, all his life, his whole life, never made more. But you come along, and Masjid Sunni, 1500 years later, you now want to tell us that you have a better idea. You can get more reward. And people do this today. This is our life today. You say, what's wrong? It's a good thing he's doing. He's making dhikrullah, what's wrong? Is he doing what Muhammad said? If he's not, then he'll be punished. Why? Because creating his own sunnah. He's making himself Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, I am Muhammad also. That was Muhammad in the 7th century, I am Muhammad in the 15th century. In this century we live in now. For that there is punishment.
So, Nabi Sallallahu told Mu'adh ibn Jabal, he wanted to teach him something and he said, he was walking down the road, he took, he took his hand, he took Mu'adh's hand. And he was walking with Mu'adh, and then he looked at Mu'adh and he said to Mu'adh, Mu'adh, I love you. Subhanallah. Say, I love you. Imagine a person saying, a man saying to another man, I love you. When last did you say to your son you love him? Or your daughter? Don't mind your wife. Or your mother? Or your son? I remember once, once a person came to me and said, you know, Sheikh, mother came and said, my son is on drugs. 15 years on drugs. I'm going to throw him out of the house. He sold everything already in the house. I only got about a table and one cup left. He's Everything he sells to get drugs. Now sometimes, you know, I mean, you get these problems all the time. Sometimes you think, what am I going to tell this poor woman? She's at the end of a tether. This is the last port of call that she's now come. So this day I said to her, I said, lady, when last did you tell your son that you love him? Say, when last did you tell your son you're the mother, you've got this big problem, you're one parent family, this husband is gone, you only have your son, only the two of you. So why not, why not you tell him that you love him? She said, I can't remember. I said, go home, tell him that you love him, and you come back and you tell me. And she came back a couple of weeks later, and I said, what happened? She said, you know, I was sitting by the table, and we were eating, and I was thinking. And I was looking at him, and I didn't know what, how to say. I'm looking at him, and he's a drug addict, and he's, you know, I'm, I want to throw him out, you know. I could know there's nothing in me that says I love you or want to love you. And he says eventually after a long time she's sitting and looking at him. And she thought about the days that she carried him and she was pregnant. She gave birth to him and she brought him up as a child. What a lovely child he was. And eventually she looked at him and she said to him, you know, I love you. And she said, you know, both of them burst out crying and they grabbed each other for first time in I think 15 years and they held each other and they cried and they cried and they cried. Subhanallah. And she says, it was the best experience she'd had with her son for 15 years. She never came back to me. I don't know, mashallah, maybe that you know, solved the problem. Maybe that's what he needed. Maybe he just needed his mother to hug him and to say, I love you. And maybe if we do that to our children, if they naughty, maybe we should do that more to our children when they naughty than to say, you must go there where you... So, Nabi Sallallahu said to Mu'adh, I love you. So now Mu'adh, is, you know, his, his defenses is gone. Whatever he thought is gone, finished, his mind is made up, you know. He is now in love with the Nabi Sallallahu Nabi Sallallahu said to him, Oh Mu'adh, say after every salah. What was he saying? Hmm? Allahumma a'inni what a small lesson. Do you think he'd ever forget that? Do you think under those circumstances, that kind of teaching, if somebody teaches you like that, do you think he'll ever forget what he teaches you? Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni'a. 1500 years later, we are still saying it. I would say, passed it on and on and was passed right down the line up to now. Subhanallah. Because of the methodology of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And you have the same experiences in your life with your mother and your father and your friends who taught you something. Abdullah ibn Abbas, Nabi looked at him, he was 13, 14 years old. The Nabi saw in him brilliance. Nabi saw in him, he was a young man, brilliant young man, very intelligent young man. And the Nabi wanted him to become a faqih, a jurist, an alim, whatever you want to call it. And the Nabi looked at him and thought, you know how young people are? If you tell a young man, if we didn't Sheikh Watna, nay daddy, a smart job. So, yeah, Nabi Sallallahu standing in the Majid looking at Abdullah ibn Abbas and says, yes, young man, this young man, mashallah. Of course, they had opportunity. Abdullah ibn Abbas had a lot of opportunity. He was the cousin of the Nabi, could become a great merchant, a traveler, and all that, become very rich. Nabi looked at him, Nabi opened his arm, Nabi said, Come here, my son. 
and Nabi embraced him. And Nabi hugged him. And Nabi said to him, Allah mafaqihu fiddin. Nabi Sassam didn't say to him, I want you to be, Nabi Sassam said, Allahumma faqir fi deen. Nabi Haldim said in his ear, Oh Allah, make this man a man of the deen. And he became the greatest mufassir, interpreter of the Qur'an. Most of the Qur'an interpretations we have, the essence comes from Abdullah ibn Abbas. Subhanallah. So, you see, so he, Abdullah ibn Abbas, is that his name? Yeah. Because of the manner in which the Prophet taught him, he became an expert in the Quran. And that expertise was handed down from that time right up to now. So, so when we look at tafsir, somebody makes it, brings a new translation, for example, in English. So what, what the ulama do is, they look at the tafsir of Abdullah ibn Abbas, and we look at his tafsir and we see, are there discrepancies? Because the original tafsir of the words of the Qur'an was done by Abdullah ibn Abbas through what? Through the dua of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. May Allah protect our homes, inshallah. May Allah protect our children. May Allah protect our wives, our husbands. May Allah protect our communities, mashallah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect all the Muslims, inshallah, particularly in Yemen. In the whole of the Middle East where Muslims are suffering. Wallahu ta'ala alam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.